Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, open our hearts to your Holy Spirit this morning so that we hear the message that we need and understand your call to us. Amen. Making the most of our gifts. Society is saddled today with so much anger and conflict. There are differences of opinion on the needs for masks, immigration policy, race relations, and human sexuality, just to name a few. There's also the constant barrage of negative messages that we hear in the news about global warming, COVID, the most recent tragic loss of life caused by suicide bombers in Afghanistan. Unfortunately, unfortunately, conversations on these topics often only raise blood pressure rather than awareness or answers to these issues that we face. As we settle into camps that are built upon sharing the same opinion, mutual respect often suffers, and we regrettably say or do things that purposefully hurt others. The consequence is a fracturing of our community that makes us vulnerable to manipulation and weakens the church. This is the kind of situation that Jesus warned about when he responded to claims that he was casting out demons by the power of Satan. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. This is not to say that differing opinions are destructive. Rather, it says that sparking the flames of anger and hatred and then fanning those flames leads to destruction in the kingdom of God, which is the opposite of our goal as disciples of Christ. In today's passage from James, we are warned to beware of anger. Anger is a natural, legitimate feeling that can lead to long-term health issues if you try to suppress it. According to a 2010 article in the American Journal of Cardiology, suppressed anger is more likely to lead to a heart attack than expressed anger. But of course, careless expressions of anger have their own negative consequences. Thoughtless comments in the heat of an argument have injured or even ruined relationships and rash responses have ruined lives. James wisely warns us to be slow to anger. The rationale for this warning from James is because anger does not produce God's righteousness. Well, you may ask, what about anger that motivates people to address social injustices or confront evil in the world? I think it's true that we can be moved to take necessary actions out of anger when we encounter situations that are causing unwarranted suffering. But the actions taken should be done out of a sense of love, compassion, and concern. Otherwise, there's a risk of creating a new form of injustice that simply breeds more anger. For example, the protests for racial justice last summer were motivated by a recognition of unfair treatment of many black and brown people. There were many people of all races who were angry about the large number of unjust racist incidents that had taken place around the country. Out of a sense of compassion and concern for those who had suffered, 
Many peaceful protests were held and actions were taken to help address those issues. But there were some who reacted violently out of their anger and riots erupted. The vandalism and looting that followed created new injustices to small business owners who suffered from those, actions, from those whose actions were solely motivated by anger. When we act out of anger, we lose sight of God's righteousness. Acting out of anger can also lead to foolishness that is wasteful at best and self-destructive at worst. I recently heard a good example that was given by Pastor Bob Klein at Trinity United Methodist Church down the road. He related the story of Xerxes, a Persian king who was attempting to conquer Greece in the 5th century BCE. The king's plan was to build a bridge across a relatively narrow channel between Asia Minor and what is now modern Turkey, so the troops and supplies can more efficiently reach Greece. Unfortunately for Xerxes, soon after the bridge was built, a huge storm came and destroyed everything. According to a Greek, era from, a Greek writer from that era, Xerxes was furious. So, he commanded that the water channel be whipped with 300 lashes and a pair of fetters to be thrown into the water. He also sent branders to punish with the waterway with hot irons. The person whipping the waters was ordered to make a pronouncement during the punishment, quote, bitter water, our master thus punishes you because you did him wrong, though he did you none. Xerxes, the king will pass over you whether you want it or not. In accordance with justice, no one offers you sacrifice, for you are a turbid and briny river. Then he ordered those overseeing construction of the bridge to be executed. This response by Xerxes is extremely bizarre, but it illustrates the common mistake of overreacting foolishly out of anger that maybe some of us here might relate to. To help avoid such incidents, James advises us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. He expands on this device in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, where he talks about taming the tongue. By comparing the tongue to a bridle in a horse's mouth and to the rudder of a ship, he points to the power of speech. Just as a large horse can be directed by a small bit in its mouth, and a large ship is steered by a small rudder, the small tongue in a person's mouth can have a tremendous effect on the atmosphere in a room. Like an untamable fire that can set things ablaze, the speech of someone who is uncontrollably venting can lead to greater hostility among those present. But ironically, we use this same muscle in our mouth to both give blessings as well as curses. Like any tool, it can be used for good or bad purposes. So we must align ourselves with what is good in order to guide ourselves towards constructive speech, speech that builds up the kingdom of heaven. And to help steer us away from destructive anger, James teaches us to, quote, rid ourselves of sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. This is similar to the advice given from the apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Quote, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, 
If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When we dwell on all the negative attitudes, comments, and behaviors going on in the world, we flood ourselves with sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Unfortunately, much of our media entices us with shocking stories that exemplify the most contemptible traits of humanity. Although we can't ignore what's going on in the world, we don't need to dwell on situations that we have no control over or which have no impact on us, especially when those situations are fictitious. By focusing more on what is good in our lives and the world around us, we are able to see the reasons for expressing gratitude to God for this gift of life that we are experiencing. This will help guide our tongues towards speech that is constructive, constructive when we spontaneously share what's on our hearts. Another suggestion from James for avoiding destructive anger is to, quote, welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. There are a couple of things to unpack in this statement. First, let's look at the word meekness. This word has different meanings, which may not all accurately represent the author's, the original author's intended meaning. According to the Oxford Dictionary, to be meek is to be quiet, gentle, and easily imposed on, or it may mean to be submissive. The original Greek in this letter is prautete, which has the root word praus. This word is used a few other times in the Bible, such as in the Beatitudes, where Jesus declares, blessed are the meek, or praus, for they will inherit the earth. That's from Matthew 5, 5. And where Jesus describes himself as gentle, praus, and humble in heart. That's from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. There has been some comparisons to how this word was used in different contexts in ancient Greek culture by biblical scholars so that we can have a better understanding of the original intention of the author. One way the word was used was in the description of domesticating wild animals such as horses and dogs. The word usage implied a meaning of gentleness and calmness that leads to self-control as opposed to being distressed, anxious, and out of control. With this in mind, it may be helpful to look at James's statement as a suggestion to welcome with resolute gentleness and calmness the implanted word that has the power to save our souls. Another interesting part of this statement is the reference to the implanted word. This phrase brings to mind that famous passage at the beginning of the Gospel of John. Quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This impactful verse clearly alludes to the divinity of Jesus, describing him as the divine truth that existed from the beginning of time. Pairing these two passages together, leads us to that comforting image of Christ abiding in us as the implanted word that has the power to save our souls. Taking this one step further, we see references to the first part of today's passage where James talks about the benevolence of God. 
Remember in verse 18, James states, in fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This same phrase, word of truth, is used in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And he defines that phrase as the gospel of your salvation. So we could say that God gave us birth by the gospel of our salvation. Again, now, being born by the gospel of salvation would possibly also mean being born by the Spirit. That that event which is necessary for us to see the kingdom of God. Jesus taught in the gospel of John that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born by the Spirit. So putting this all together, in fulfillment of God's own purpose, God gave us the possibility of being born by the Spirit so that we could become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In this short passage, James reminds us of the gift of salvation that we received through the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, which has enabled us to be reborn, born of the Spirit, so that we will be able to abide with Christ in the kingdom of God as he abides with us. This truly is a perfect gift. As James tells us from the beginning of today's passage, every perfect gift, even every generous act of giving, comes from God. The nature of God is love and compassion, and the fulfillment of God's purpose involves a spiritual rebirth that allows us to be in close relationship with God. God doesn't intend us to live in anger. That is a problem that we bring on ourselves, which takes us further from God. When we experience anger, we need to release it through constructive expressions that build up God's kingdom. Address those issues that make you angry by finding ways to resolutely, yet calmly and gently express God's love to all of God's children. And when possible, Avoid the wickedness and sordidness of society that directs us toward destructive attitudes. When someone tries to ensnare you in a useless argument or confrontation, don't accept the invitation. Like an unwanted gift, let them keep it for themselves rather than submissively attempting every offer or accepting every offer to participate in negativity. If you want to make the most of the gifts God has given you, Share the perfect gift of the message of salvation where God gave his only son so that we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. In doing this, you will be serving as a channel of God's perfect love, sowing seeds of compassion and kindness that fosters hope rather than anger. Amen.